If you have a Bible with you this morning, we're we'll looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. I say to you, hear the word of God. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would, um, you would come and open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. I pray that um, where people feel like lepers, outcasts, um, that you would clean them and clean us. I pray that you would be in my head and in my thinking and in my heart and in my understanding and in my mouth and in my speaking. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. And amen. Well, we're in the middle of a series on Jesus healing, or Jesus specifically healing that Jesus does in the Gospel of Mark. There are about 12 different healing episodes. And as we consider these healing episodes, remember, we're not necessarily looking at these healing episodes as, as sort of for, for method that, that we could be healed of, you know, specific diseases and things. But more, we're looking at what these healings actually say about Jesus, about his person and his work. So this morning, I want to start with a question, as I often do. And the question is this. Can you, can you think of a time when you felt like an outsider? I mean, I mean, maybe it's your first time at church today, and you think, yep, right now. I don't know anyone. I don't, you, you know... I'm, no one's reached out to me. Whatever it is, you know, you'd feel like you're on the outside of something you ought to be on the inside of, or at least maybe you wanted to be on the inside of. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? I remember a few years ago, I was asked, this is like horrible torture for me, right? I was asked to go to the south of France <laughs> to perform a wedding ceremony for an old ranger buddy of mine. And I did, and you know, he flew me over, and we literally stayed in like this small castle, like him and his family and all the bridal party and everyone. Now, by the way, castles are overrated. I think I've talked to you this before. No air conditioning, mosquito, you know. But it was fun. And what was even better about the whole thing is everyone in that castle spoke English. And when it was time to go home, everyone went their separate ways, and they put me on a train to Paris, which sounds very romantic unless you don't speak a word of French. And so I got, you know, arrived in Paris, and I had to find my hotel room, and, and it was getting late, and I had to, you know, get to bed so I could also wake up very early and get to the airport. And I tell you, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Because I didn't have a, a, a different, like a European SIM in my phone, so I couldn't just use Google Translate. I couldn't do anything. And it's amazing how few people speak English in Paris, or at least they pretend like they don't. Either way, I remember just feeling like here I am in one of the probably the most glorious cities in the world and I'm surrounded by mobs of people and I've never felt so alone and so on the outside in my life. Right? It's just not a good feeling. 
So now, if you want to take it a step bigger than that, take it, take it to a different level, is think about what it's like to be a leper in the New Testament. You see, back in the, back in the day, we tend to think of, of leprosy um, as, as if it were the kind of leprosy we see in movies, which is now called Hansen's disease. It's where your, your limbs become numb ultimately, and you can't feel anything, and you start losing fingers and things like that. And this morning, we're looking at Jesus' encounter with a leper, and it might have been that kind of leprosy. On the other hand, in the Old Testament, there are about 70 different skin conditions that would come under the label of leprosy. So it could have been any number of things that is affecting the leper that Jesus interacts with this morning. What's more important is what it meant to be a leper in the time of the New Testament. What it meant to be a leper in the time of the New Testament was basically to be completely socially and completely religiously alienated, to, to, to be made an outsider. And in fact, to, to, for everyone to see you as an outsider, you could not get, be in a worse position. And it's interesting because leprosy wasn't just seen as a disease to be healed Leprosy was something to be cleansed, right? Cleansing in the Old Testament has to do with sin. And you see the, the, the rabbis and the, the sort of the Old Testament interpretation or view there was basically that if you were a leper, that was probably the result of some sin in your life. That, that if, if this was happening to you, that there was something that God was doing to actually punish you. And because of that punishment, you had this leprosy and leprosy made you unclean. How bad was it to be a leper? Let me read you. In the book of Leviticus, two chapters are dedicated to leprosy. Let me read to you uh, Leviticus 13.45. It says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean, and he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. So basically, if you had leprosy in the New Testament, you had to let everyone in the world know that you were a leper. You had to tear your clothes, so your clothes had to reflect the fact that, that you were a leper. It says you should wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose. You couldn't wear a, a head covering. And then maybe even what's more interesting is that whenever you went someplace public, wherever there were other people, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean. I mean, think about that. You're going to Fred Meyer some afternoon. You want to pick up some chips. And when you walk in, you open you know, the front doors of Fred Meyer. You walk in and you go, unclean, unclean. Everyone would look at you. But in the New Testament, everyone would look at you and then they would back up. They would, they would sort of back off and make sure they didn't interact with you because they didn't want to catch what you had. And so not only were you unclean, not only were you ostracized, not only were you alienated, but you actually had to live that. You had to let people know that that's who you were, that you were an unclean, socially unacceptable person. That seems like a horrible way to live your life, doesn't it? You'd have to be pretty desperate to enter a crowd of people. You'd have to be pretty desperate to actually approach a rabbi and ask him for help. But that's exactly what we see happen in the text this morning. Jesus interacts with this leper. What we see is three things in today's text. Basically, we're going to see a view. We're going to see Jesus' compassion. We're going to see Jesus' validation. And then finally, we're going to see Jesus' substitution 
in this when we look at his interaction with this leper. So let's consider first uh, verse 40. It says in verse 40, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. So the leper comes to him. Now, the leper had to be desperate because lepers, another thing that we learn about lepers is they were supposed to stay at least 50 feet away from any people. And so we don't know if Jesus was alone or Jesus was with the disciples or Jesus was with a crowd. But either way, the leper was pretty desperate and pretty courageous in some sense to actually approach Jesus and get close enough that we know ultimately that Jesus could reach out and touch him. So he had broken that 50-foot barrier, maybe with other people as well. But what does he have to lose? What are they going to do? Call him unclean, right? He doesn't have anything to lose. And so he approaches Jesus. And what he says to Jesus is interesting. He doesn't ask Jesus for anything. Did you notice that? He just makes a statement and lets it hang there. Oftentimes what you see in Mark, I've told you before, people just tell Jesus about things and see what he will do about them rather than come up with a solution themselves and He goes to Jesus, and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. So what he's he's saying here is there there is an implicit question here, but it's not not an implicit question as to Jesus' uh, ability. The implicit question here is whether Jesus desires to heal him. In, In other words, the leper basically says, I know you can do it. The question is, do you want to do it? I know, you, I know you have the ability to make me clean, but do you have the desire to make me clean? In other words, do you want what is best for me? Do you want this good thing to happen to me? And that, frankly, is the question that most of us are asking all the time. See, all of us at some level are sort of spiritual lepers. All of us, whether, whether, whether we're popular and successful or whether we feel unpopular and unsuccessful, we all feel this sort of outside-ishness from time to time. We all feel this as if we missed the mark. We all feel like we need something and we all feel this need to be loved and desired. Have you ever felt that? So most people, in my experience, don't doubt that God has the ability to do anything that he wants. I mean, if you watch the news, if you talk to people who aren't necessarily Christian, the reason you know that is because they, they get upset when God doesn't do things, right? Why didn't God stop the hurricane when it went through? Or why didn't God stop the tsunami? Or why didn't God, you know, save my parent from cancer? You know, they, they assume that God has the ability to do these kinds of things. But the question is, does he desire to do these things? And maybe the bigger question is, he, does he desire what is best for you? And the answer that we find out in the New Testament over and over again is yes. Sometimes from our perspective, it doesn't seem like the best, but ultimately, it is the best. I love the Heidelberg Catechism, question 26, asks this question. It says, when you believe, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? And the answer is this, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still holds up and rules then by his eternal counsel and providence is my God and Father because of Christ, his Son. I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul. He will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. He is able to do this because he is almighty God. He desires to do this because he is a faithful father. So the, the, the implicit question that the leper is asking, he doesn't know yet, is, is yes. 
that God does desire what's best for him. Now, what's best for him may, may or may not be healing his leprosy in the moment, but the question of whether God desires the best for him and the best for you is absolutely yes, and he desires that because he is a faithful father. And the leper is going to find out exactly how much uh, God cares for him, exactly how much compassion Jesus has. Because if there's anything that's more um, shocking than a leper approaching a rabbi, getting within 50 feet, for a leper approaching him and getting on his knees and saying, if you will, make me clean. If there's anything more shocking than that, it's the rabbi actually reaching out and touching him. Remember, we said before, Jesus can heal in any number of ways. And so imagine a guy who's just full of leprosy. He's just disgusting. He's covered with nasty sores and scabs and pus and everything else. Jesus, if I was Jesus, I would have kept my hands behind my back and said, be clean. Wouldn't have touched him. But I think Jesus is making a point here. Notice what he says. He says, moved with pity or compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will. In other words, I do desire, be clean. And the next verse says what? It says, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now what's interesting is Jesus didn't break the law by touching him. He didn't break, you know, the man was unclean. Jesus didn't break the law by touching him. But what Jesus did was he made himself unclean by touching him. In other words, he didn't break the law, but he actually became, came under the law, if you will, because he became unclean by touching him. And at some level, that's the, the core of the gospel, that the way you and I become clean, the way that you and I are delivered from our sins is that Jesus touches us and he takes our sins from us and in the process makes us clean. In other words, the gospel says that Jesus takes away our sin, but he doesn't just take it away. He takes it away by taking it upon himself. He becomes unclean so that the leper can become clean. Remember, 2 Corinthians says, he who knew no sin, what, became sin, so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. And so Jesus has touched him, and Jesus has made him clean, all out of his compassion. Remember, this isn't Jesus' primary mission we learned last week primary mission, he said, was to preach. And yet because of his pity and his compassion, he makes the leper clean. Now, cleanliness is all about ceremony, and it's all about the law. It's all, and it has to do with sin, and it has to do with forgiveness, all of these things. So what Jesus says next, on one hand, is a little bit surprising. On the other hand, if you realize Jesus' relationship to the law, it's not surprising at all. Because you would expect him to heal this man and then just walk away. But what does Jesus say to him? As we look at Jesus' validation, verse 43, it says, And Jesus sternly charged and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So a lot of people are surprised because on one hand, it says Jesus shows pity and compassion. And that word sternly there is almost an angry word. It, 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 It is sort of the word snorted. Jesus basically ordered him, don't go blabbering this all over the place. Instead, show yourself to the priest. Offer what's required. And then he says, but notice he says this is for a proof to them. Now, so what do we see here? Two things really about Jesus and the law. The first thing is Jesus validates the law. 
that a lot of people accuse Jesus of being a lawbreaker or disrespecting the law or not caring about the law. And Jesus, above all things, was not just a, a law keeper, but he validated it. Notice, let me read to you what he says in Matthew about his relationship to the law. In Matthew five seventeen, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes at least one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty strong statement about the law. And Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but in fact, I came to fulfill the law. So on one hand, by telling the leper, the cleansed leper to go to the priest, Jesus validates the law. But on the other hand, he sends him to the priest to show them how the law validates him. In other words, Jesus validates the law, but notice what he says. He doesn't just say go. He could have said, um, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. In other words, you were to go to the priest and say, I was, had leprosy, now I'm clean. And he would say, you look clean, but do you have an offering? And you would bring an offering of a lamb or a goat. And after that offering, they'd check you again. And you'd offer one more, check you again. And after that, they would pronounce you formally clean. You can go to church again. Jesus could have just stopped there. But he says, go do these things as proof to them. In other words, the, the, not only can they see that I validate the law by sending them to you, sending you to them, but that the law validates me by the fact that I have cleansed you from your leprosy. In other words, what the law can only diagnose, Jesus can actually heal. What the law can only demand of us, Jesus can actually accomplish for us. You see, there's, a, there's an underlying principle in, in all this, and it's just this, that that only thing that the law can 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 do is it can only diagnose us, it can't fix us. It can only point out our problems, but it can't fix our problems. And Jesus, on the other hand, is the one who not only uh, fulfills the law, but actually is able to heal us. He's able to make us clean. You see, the problem with the law is the law is basically pass-fail. Judy and I are watching, we just started watching, so don't spoil it for me, I think I know where it's going. We just started watching the, the Good Place, right? I don't know if you've seen The Good Place. Basically, a comedy about hell or heaven depends. You see, basically, it's about a woman who dies and she goes to what she thinks is the good place. And she realizes when she's there that she's not a very good person and she thinks that there's been a mistake. I'm only on episode 10. I think they didn't make a mistake. But nonetheless, her whole argument during the whole, the whole season has basically been, isn't there a medium place for someone like me? There's a good place for, for good people. There's a bad place for bad people. But what about me? I'm not that bad. Is there not a medium place? And I don't know what happens, with whether or not there is in the television show, but in the Bible, guess what? There's not. There's not a medium place. There's the good place and there's the bad place. And the only people who make it to the good place are not good people, but people who have relied on the goodness of someone else, that is Jesus. That's it. 
That's why it's called grace, because someone else does the work and not you. Obeying the law won't save you. Being a good person won't save you. All of those things won't save you. The only thing that can save you is going to Jesus like the leper did and saying, if you desire, make me clean. You see, the leper took a chance, and what I'd encourage you to do today, whether you're a Christian or not, is to take a chance and approach Jesus and say, if you will, make me clean. He's never turned away someone who's come to him and asked that. He's never turned away someone who who came to him and said, Jesus, I come to you and offer you my sin and my guilt. Will you take it? He has never said, not today. He always does. And you see, this passage is interesting, takes it a step further, and it's easy to miss almost because it, it, it almost sort of just seems like it peters out. But in fact, there's a big culmination that happens here. You see, we look at, at basically, after you consider his compassion and his validation, the last thing we see is his substitution. Notice verse 45. It says, but, when he went out, but he went out, that's the leper, and began to talk freely about it what Jesus had done, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in the des- desolate places and the people were coming to him from every quarter. So you think about why did Jesus tell the leper, don't tell anybody, just go to the priest and be pronounced clean. Because remember, if, Jesus, if the leper starts telling people, that's going, other people are going to want to be healed and they're going to swamp Jesus and he won't be able to fulfill his mission of preaching and all these other things. And yet it says he went, that he went out anyway and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. So the exact thing that Jesus was worried about happened. But he says to him, imagine the leper going out and saying, I once had leprosy and now I don't have leprosy, but I was cleansed. Who cleansed you? That rabbi over there, Jesus, how did he cleanse you? He touched me. Do you think he didn't tell people that Jesus touched him? Well, as soon as he told, but basically what he's saying is, I'm clean now, but he is not anymore. He's not clean because he touched a leper, even though he made me clean in the process. And did you notice what happened with Jesus? It says, because of what the leper said and did, and because of this announcement, Jesus could no longer openly enter town, but was out in desolate places. In other words, Jesus was now had to live outside the camp because the leper was enabled to live inside the camp. And the bottom line is this, is that Jesus literally traded places with the leper. That the leper who was, was alienated and outside of the camp and couldn't approach anybody, he was now in the camp. He's telling everybody. He's talking to everybody. He's part of, he is part of the community suddenly. Jesus, on the other hand, is alienated. Jesus is out in the desolate places because he has traded places with the leper. And that's the core of the gospel. If you don't understand the gospel, if you've been in church your whole life, if you're just here for the first time, you're not a Christian, what it means to trust the gospel is just this, is that Jesus lived the life you should have lived. And then at the cross, he traded places with you. It's called substitution, substitutionary atonement. He died in your place so that you might live. He took your sins and my sins on himself on the cross so that we might become the righteousness of God and stand in the presence of God, blameless with great joy. So just as Jesus traded place with the leper, Jesus has traded places with all who would trust him here. And so the question is, have you trusted him? Will you trust him? Do you believe all this? Think about that. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray this morning as we consider this passage of the leper, on one hand, it's very simple. He approaches, Jesus heals him, he leaves, and Jesus is alienated. 
On the other hand, it really is a picture of our whole spiritual life, that we as lepers approach Jesus and he cleanses us. And I pray this morning that you would open the eyes of the blind, that we we would see that um, anew, or we would maybe even see it for the first time. In Christ's name we pray these things, amen and amen.